How many of you feel alive this morning? We're sorry on Zoom and for those of you present for getting started a little late this morning. Um, we, uh, we had some technical difficulties that we were trying to work out. And um, we are really glad, glad that the Safe Families team is here with us. Please give these guys a hand. We're, we're excited. I, I want to give a little bit of a, pre, a precursor um, to, to their talk. We're going sh- to show a video and they're going to come and give a presentation. Um, we, we encountered Safe Families actually at a nonprofit business um, gathering that my family's a part of. And um, it's a really interesting group of people because there are a lot of business leaders and there are a lot of different family foundations that give uh, to a lot of different things. And so um, this, this organization works with lots of different organizations to help them uh, to be better as a nonprofit in, in serving the mission and vision that they have. And uh, it's amazing because a many number, I would maybe most of the nonprofits are not actually Christian entities. And the like, so we're in this room with all these uh, very wealthy and influential people, and they're talking about all these different things. And Safe Families gets this really special, like unique highlight in the whole time. And, I, and I'm like, when they share their vision, I'm crying and I'm like looking around and like everybody is like being touched by this thing. And it just amazed me of how God uses um, the gospel to go into all these different sorts of places. And particularly how he uses the gospel as it's contextualized for the poor and the hurting. And so um, what Safe Families is, is a, they, they help to work to prevent foster care, to reunite families, and they'll share more about that. We're going to show a video, uh, which, did we, we're good? Okay. Praise the Lord, the video worked this morning. And so let's watch the video. It's, a, it's, it's, it's several minutes, so, so kind of get comfortable, watch the video, and then they're going to share, and yeah, we'll, we're sending the video out on Zoom in the chat, so you can, uh, you can mute and go ahead and start that. And uh, yeah, thank you guys. We'll go ahead and kick it on.
professional apartment and everything in between. This one is a dramatic program. This one is a movie. Ordinary people who just are taking a step to make a difference in the lives of people who need it. our Catalyst playlist for more inspiring stories. This is Nellie Moya. She's a committed single mom. Well, we can watch it again. It was that good, wasn't it? <laughs> good morning, and thank you for having me with you this morning. Thank you for the invitation. Jordan and Andrea, we appreciate worshiping with you this morning. My name is Lori Key, and I am the chapter coordinator for the Safe Families for Children, DFW. My husband, Greg, and I worship and serve in Arlington at Renewed Life Church, and we are also a Safe Families Church in the Arlington area. I have been working with Safe Families for about a year now, and um, it has absolutely been a blessing. It's been a blessing to serve with these families. It's a blessing to be able to come into churches and meet all kinds of people with the hearts of radical hospitality and, and have that generous spirit of giving and opening up our hearts and our homes, right? to those like Nellie and those who are needing a helping hand, right? I mean, it's just, you know, we want to walk alongside those who are hurting and broken. A little about me, we know we love, we love stories, right? We love to hear about, you know, why do we do what we do? Well, first of all, you know, Jesus, um, he really is the, you know, the, the heartbeat of who we are because of his life for us, because, you know, we, of our freedom in him. And so, when I came to the Lord when I was 35 years old, um, the Lord led me to the inner city of West Palm Beach, Florida. And that is where the Lord broke my heart for the, for the lost. And I really had an incredible encounter with the Lord and the gospel and understanding, wow, this is the impact of compassion. This is love unleashed. And it's the same way for safe families. It's love unleashed. When we are broken in the presence of God and when we encounter a loving God, man, we just want to be where he is. We just want to be where he is. We want to do what he's doing. We want to be a part of that kingdom work, right? And to have that kingdom lifestyle, living in community, walking alongside families like Nellie and her children. And we have the opportunity as believers to do that. We really do. I mean, it's a privilege and an honor to open our hearts and our home to those who are experiencing crisis. And, and you know what? There might be a few of us in the room who have experienced a crisis and have needed, you know, um, family support and it wasn't there. Or the church came up alongside of us and gave us that opportunity, um, that home, that life, whatever it may have been. And our life is not the same because of it. And that is radical hospitality. That is the love of Jesus. That is saying, you know, I'm going to invite those who I would normally not invite into my home, right? I'm going to get a little uncomfortable. I'm going to get a little bit stirred. I'm going to get a lot broken. I'm going to get a lot broken um, for the heartbeat of Jesus. And that's what we do as believers. It stretches us. It challenges us. It encourages us to do more a part of and outside of ourselves, and so when I came to the Lord at 35 and I was in the inner city and, you know, in a location where I went to high school, 
I went to high school in this area, and you know, and this was not the part of town you wanted to go to, right? You know, this, you, you, you went to school and you went home. But when the Lord brought me back, I mean, almost like 20 years later, I was like, wow. I mean, it was like a full circle, a total 300, you know, a three, you know, 380 with the heart, right? 360 with the heart. I mean, he just totally flipped my heart upside down and gave me a huge understanding of his heart and his heart for people. And so that challenged me again. There was a lot of dying to self, and I had to learn a lot about other people and how other people lived in communities and cultures outside of from even where I grew up or, you know, what I experienced as a child or going to school and who I went to school with and who my family is. And then coming into the church and being part of a body of Christ and community with other believers who were also serving the Lord and doing it in a very radical way. It just wasn't, you know, church as usual. Church is normal. These were, you know, individuals and believers who were absolutely serving the Lord, like doing the hard things, doing the gospel things. And so with safe families, we, we really do, that's the encouragement and the movement and the power of the gospel moving in and through us to walk alongside families in crisis. Like even this afternoon, you know, when I leave here, um, I'm going to go home, meet up with my husband. We're going to jump in the, we're going to change clothes, jump in the truck, run down to Fort Worth. And um, we have a mama who just had a C-section, three kids who are in a host family right now. Mama just had a C-section. She's getting ready to move to the Arlington. She's getting ready to move to the Arlington area. But she had her her hotel room is full of stuff that was in storage and so we have to take we're going to go pick up that stuff move it to her storage unit so that she can have room for her children to get to come back and also to care for her baby until she moves on November 1st into her apartment in which is we will go back move and move her kids out of out of the hotel out of the storage and move them into their apartment. So this, you know, what we do is ongoing. It is absolutely ongoing. Every every situation is different. You know, crisis is not cookie cutter, but we know at the end of the day, God is God. And the heartbeat of Jesus when he moves and he flows and we encounter him, we want to be where he is to be able to help, you know, these moms and families in crisis and reconcile them. And an awesome opportunity we have at the church and with the church and as a body of Christ, okay? And, you know, with Clear Path. Clear Path, you have an awesome opportunity to serve your community in and around this area because when families call the intake line, we don't always have families to host their children, especially in the areas in which they're calling from because of transportation issues, you know, various different things. And so when there's families in the areas where there's intakes being taken, we can call you and say, hey, we've got a family in your area. Do you want to be a family friend to them? Do you want to be a host family? Do you want to be a resource friend? Church, do you want to be a partner church? Do you want to be a catalyst in your community to see this movement grow in the DFW area? You know, and that means, you know, maybe one of you are the ministry lead in your church to say, hey, you know, I really want to take on this ministry and grow it and build it in our church and in our community. What about, you know, maybe, hey, I want to do maybe some administrative stuff. 
we have opportunities to serve that way too. Sometimes we just need to just kind of take that step and that leap of faith into doing something outside of ourselves. Um, we need people helping with the intake line. You know, we right now we can't do it 24-7, but what if we were able to have an intake line with volunteers manning this line 24-7 so that, you know, when families are calling in, we, you guys, we have first responders to be able to take that call, to love on that family in their crisis, to listen, to let them, you know, express and experience every emotion that they are experiencing and expressing and just loving on them, just being a listening ear, a shoulder, you know, that, that shoulder to cry and you're just listening and there's no judgment and there's just that, that open arms of Jesus' love that you're giving a family, especially those who are broken and maybe hurt by the church. So, you know, we do, wow, every, like I said, every opportunity is different. You know, we have, we have mamas that are come, you know, coming off of Lancaster. We have families that are, you know, moms that are coming out of domestic violence situations. You know, we have families who, you know, are living in, in, their, in their vehicles, in hotels. We had a mom who was um, experienced, a, a, um, she was living in a hotel last year around this time, called us, got um, with the resources that we have in, in Dallas County, was able to connect her with a resource that got her a housing voucher. She moved into a, to an apartment, and, with, and I think she was only there for maybe two or three months, and the apartment complex that she was in burned down. It burnt down, but she had a community in the circle of support that she could call at that time and say, hey, we, do you, can you guys help me again? The, my apartment just burnt down. And, you know, and so we were able to still continue to walk with the family. And so what I would like to do is encourage each and every one of you to pray. Pray about your involvement. Your pastors are extremely passionate about this ministry, and their hearts are extremely touched, and they're going to be just as involved as you are. They're going to take that first step themselves. They're going to complete the application. They're going to go through the process. We have training. I mean, and, and at Safe Families, we just don't say, here, here, sign up, complete the application, go through the training, and that's it. We walk alongside of the churches as well to empower and equip the saints to equip the bride to do what we're called and created to do in our freedom because we were all once lost and broken, right? We were all once lost and broken and could, you know, and again, maybe even in a crisis situation, but we were definitely in a broken state before, before we encountered Jesus. So um, my Denise and I will be here. I'm, Denise Dunlap is with me and she's part of our leadership council. She just came on and joined the team, and she's very excited to be, you know, a part of what we're doing here in the DFW area. We will stay afterwards. We have a little table. We have a sign-up sheet. So if you're interested in being a part of or getting more information or having a one-on-one -on -one conversation, getting together for coffee, doing a Zoom, I, we want to be able to do that with you and give you more information. So we will be here after service to have, you know, deeper conversations or, you know, if you have any questions, we'd love to answer them and get just, you know, and at least just start the conversation, right? So thank you so much for having us. And um, we, again, we will be here and we are excited to be here. And thank you for having us.
Lori, thank you guys for coming, and we're really we're really grateful. Just to give you a little context, um, we Andrew and I just decided, and this will begin for us in 2022. We decided like we have a extra uh, room in our home, and we just felt like the Lord put it in our hearts to be a host family, which means that like you know, as I said, they you know when a when a family is in need and they don't want their kids to go to foster. Um, they still want the opportunity to be a parent, but they, there might be something that they need to overcome. They may need to go to drug rehab. They may be relocating in a home. Whatever it is, Safe Family steps in and provides the support, the network to be able to house those kids for a period of time, provide them coaching, resources, and things to help families get back on their feet. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think it's mainly single moms that are a part of So, so often they're stepping into a situation where, where uh, somebody has no other resource. And the, the beautiful thing about this is you might not, that might not, you know, be a place that you can work in. But because we're going to be a host family, you can come around in various different capacities to help resource a family. And the goal will be um, reunification. And I thought, wow, what a powerful thing. Um, and I love the beauty of adoption, but to actually be able to focus on preserving the family, which I think is what God God's intent is. And so, um, anyway, um, we're just really grateful that you guys are here. I think it's such a pure expression of the gospel. And, um, yeah, thank you guys. Um, how many of you alive this morning? Um, still alive. Uh, um, so I'm going to try to be brief. For a couple reasons. First of all, we started late. We've been a little bit long, and also I had a long week, so I'm just going to be brief for me. Um, can Zoom hear me well? Can can like give me a confirmation? Oh, Bree just walked out. Maybe somebody else can. Okay, let let me know. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna do a I'm gonna do like a. They they're saying that the that it cuts in and out because my voice is so deep. <laughs> We're good? Okay. All right. Good. Uh, how many came to the prayer labyrinth Friday night? Any, any hollers? Yeah, it was fun. Somebody told me this morning we shouldn't have called it a labyrinth because it wasn't like really like a maze or anything. You're just going to walk from one station to the next. But um, we had... Uh, tacos, and we went and prayed at some various stations, and um, I just want to say, one of the things that I walked away with Friday night is how thankful I am for this community. Um, I, I just want to make mention of it that, that Andrew and I, all, like, on a regular basis, are reminded of how grateful we are for the community that God has given us, um, and there's oftentimes in Scripture where Paul will make mention of the things he's he's grateful for. And I want to mention three things that I'm just really grateful for for ClearPath this morning. First of all, this has been a community of people that has been willing to go on a journey. Sometimes that journey has been a little circuitous one, um, but I am just, I'm grateful for, for this community for that reason. Um, secondly, I'm grateful that this is a community of genuine people. Um, one of the things most most often told 
I mean, when I, when I have friends that have come or have been around people in our community, it's just the genuous, genuineness that they experience. And that's just such a blessing. The, the last thing I want to mention is how much of a ministry this community has been to my own, my own family. I remember um, a number of years ago, I've made mention of this story before, I was at a pastor's gathering, and all these pastors were in this circle talking about how they could never share anything. You know, they were so thankful. They finally had this place where they could share things. And I was like, really, Andrew and I were really perplexed by this by this dilemma, and I was just like, so you guys just like don't talk about your life with people in your community? And I realized like people just didn't feel safe in their communities to be who they are. And I just want to say that this has been a place for our family to feel safe to be who we are and to not even have to be the perfect people that sometimes pastors are expected to be. So I just want to say I'm thankful for the community. And I was thinking about it Friday night. And Friday night, just to give a little bit of context uh, for the for the prayer, um, and somebody keep giving me feedback if Zoom stops being able to hear. Um, I want to give a little bit of context uh, for the prayer. If you didn't come, we we built like different stations. There were eight dis- different stations that were based around the B attitudes, and specifically, um, we were presenting the part of the Beatitudes that were uh, God's gift for us. So what does it say? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom. So all of these statements have a subsequent expression of God's generosity that you see. And it's funny though to me, when we think about these texts, and I think maybe even I struggle with this, how many of you read those and sometimes feel that they're inaccessible. Like you're like the poor in spirit, that must be somebody that I've never, you know, or whatever it is. Like sometimes we read the, maybe it's because they're written in third person, Jesus speaking in third person, I don't know. But sometimes when we read these texts, we we don't find them accessible. Um, And so what we wanted to do was emphasize God's expression of generosity um, in the Beatitudes. But I really believe that these, you know, whether it's being poor in spirit or whether it's being meek or, you know, whether it's one who has a pure in heart, I really believe that these are actual critical pathways to us experiencing the generosity of God. Like, the emphasis is not on the activity of man, but on the generosity of God. And I just, uh, as we've been emphasizing generosity in this community, um, we, uh, I just really believe that we have to emphasize the generosity of God. And so I want to read, uh, I want to talk about Matthew 5, 3 real quick and just refresh on blessed are the poor in spirit. And so Matthew 5, 3 says, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of God. How many of you have thought about this one particularly, I don't know what that means, and I don't know who that applies to. Like, I've thought it. And uh, so, I want to read to you a scripture that I think really contextualizes what it means to be poor in spirit. And it's a story of Jesus in Mark 10, 46-52. says, Then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving a city, a blind man named Bartimaeus. I mean, remember Bartimaeus. Uh, 
which means the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that Jesus, the son of Navarus, was there, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, Call him. So they came, they called the blind man, Cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak inside, he jumped up to his feet and came to Jesus and said, What do you want me to what do you want me to do? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received sight and followed Jesus along the road. Okay, so I want to highlight, before we talk about this man's healing, I want to highlight a part of this text that I think is really important. Um, he's, he calls, when he's calling, this, you know, Jesus, you can imagine there's this crowd, they're going to a new place, and all these people are trying to push in. How many of you have ever been in a room where there's an important person? And it's like, everybody's trying to see them, talk to them, whatever it is. And so all these people are pushing in. And, you know, this blind man, when he hears, he hears the commotion because he can't see it. And he says, Son of David, have mercy on me. But I want to give a little bit of context of what that means, Son of David. And I want to take you to one of the most like, well-known uh, prophetic texts of the, of the Messiah in the Old Testament. And it's Isaiah 9, 6-7. It says, For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom. establishing it and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. How many remember this one? So there's many, many texts like this in the Old Testament. And one of the things that's often prophesied or talked about with the Messiah coming is exactly what's said here is that he will, he'll sit on David's throne. And that he will be a son of David. And what does is, what is God tell David in his covenant? He's like, I'm going to make a covenant with you that your throne will endure forever. And so, like, it, this is why the genealogies are so important and included in Scripture, is because when the genealogies, when, they're, when these gospel writers are writing the story, they are carefully making the claim that this guy, Jesus, is exactly what the Old Testament, exactly what these, these Scriptures prophesied about. He's the son of David. He's the son of Abraham. He's fulfilled all these things. So the genealogy is establishing him within the story that God has been telling through Israel. Are you with me? And so he's, he's, when this guy says, Son of David, have mercy on me, he's stating something that is very specific to everyone hearing. He, he is intimating at the idea that this guy, this guy might be the Messiah. Like this guy is, a, he's calling him the Son of David. He's saying this, this, this might be the one. 
He's speaking a truth about him. And it's interesting to me, it's, this isn't a small deal, if, if this makes sense. Like, how many of you, like, when we, when we call, we see Son of God in Scripture, um, that's also the, the uh, meaning or the title that they would have given Caesar. And so, it's, it's very specifically subversive. So this is kind of like that. When he says, Son of David, he's saying something very specific that this crowd would have an understanding about. So he says, Son of David, have mercy on me. And I want you to see that the truth, the truth that Jesus is the Son of David, it wasn't apprehended by the richness of religious wisdom that the Pharisees had. It was apprehended by the poverty of a blind man's spirit. Like as a crowd is walking by, and this man is is blind, he, he cries out, Son of David, have mercy on me. And while all these religious leaders have memorized and studied and have figured everything out, all of that wisdom couldn't lead them to that clear statement of truth. Because truth is not, is truth is not received and apprehended by the richness of our intellect, but by the poverty of our spirit. We don't, we don't receive the kingdom by being the best. We receive it by being poor in spirit. Like we receive truth not by our skill, but by our posture. Poor in spirit was not something that God ever intended us to graduate from. Like... It, it, it isn't like a random group of people that Jesus is talking about in these Beatitudes. He, he's saying the poor in spirit, those who have poverty of spirit, will receive the kingdom. Now one of the things that Paul makes incredible mention of, it's, it's made mention of in First and Second Peter, is that all of the things that God is giving in His kingdom are meant to be possessed in increasing quality. And so, like, paradoxically, we are those who are constantly being made rich in the Spirit, but constantly being reminded of our poverty, our need of God in the Spirit. And so we don't, like, as God makes us richer in Spirit, we also remain poor in Spirit. And so we don't graduate from being poor in Spirit, and it's being poor in Spirit that allows us to see the truth. Amen? Okay, so so it's not your skill that will allow you to see the truth. It is your posture. Um, Okay, so next point. Verses, I'm trying to fly so we can get to we can get to communion. Verses 47 through 49, it says this. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, He began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on him. Many rebuked him, told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. I love this scene. These guys are like, hey man, stop. And he's just like, no! Like, I'm blind. (laughs) Jesus stopped and said, call him. I love that, that like, that picture. 
commotion of people like, it's like the same, the disciples fall into this trap several times that kids are around. They're like, move the kids out of the way. And Jesus invites the kids. And then this, you know, this blind guy is, is yelling repeatedly, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stops everybody's rebuke and he says, call him. Out of a crowd of people, Jesus calls for him to come near. I love, and there's a tension of this in Scripture, but I love how God is near to all of us, but He brings some people near to Him in unique ways. Right? Um, he says he's, the psalm says that He's near the brokenhearted. Like He's uniquely near some people. Like, I don't want to just be in the crowd of Jesus around him. I want to be one of the ones that he's like, come here. The second thing about being poor in spirit is that being poor in spirit allows us to receive his nearness. It first allows us to apprehend his truth, but it second allows us to receive his nearness. When he says... He is giving the kingdom, when he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God, at the core of the kingdom of God is the presence of God. And so when we remain those, we don't graduate from poverty of spirit, but when we remain those who are poor in spirit, then we receive the nearness. Like, we're like the, a blind person recognizing their own blindness crying out for help. And what does Jesus say to the man crying out for help? Come. He calls to him. Amen? I'm going to keep reading. Verses 51-52, through it says, What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. I would have loved if he'd said something different, like, I need a camel. Like, I don't know. <laughs> it's like, okay, here's a camel. Um, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus. Your faith has healed you. Immediate, and immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. So those who are poor in spirit are the ones who see and receive the truth. Those who are poor in spirit are the ones who receive his nearness. But those who are poor in spirit are those who receive what they ask for in prayer. I love that Jesus asked the man the question, what do you want? I mean, he... he I mean... I think maybe everybody's assuming, you know, this is a you know, blind man. But Jesus asked him the question, what do you want? And I think it's the question that Jesus is often asking us. Like, I think we spend a lot of time trying to figure out if we have figured out all the perfect things that we're going to do for God. And I think many times he's asking the question, what do you want? 
Now, the last time I shared, I shared on desires. And if you remember, I won't re-preach that message, don't have time for that. But I challenged you, um, I challenged us to go to God with every desire that we have, even the ones that we don't think are good. Because there's no better place to bring your bad desires to than God Himself. And God is the one who is faithful to refine, remove desires that aren't like the best and grant us the desires that, that are good for us. Like he, he, we, we aren't working just like in, with a God who's like only functional. He loves to grant desires in us. He wants to hear our desires. And so this morning, I was writing this, this thought and I was thinking through the sermon and sometimes like I'm a little ADD so like the way that sermon prep looks for me is um, you know I start sometimes with a thought at the beginning of the week and it kind of builds but when I'm writing a sermon I'll write for like five minutes and then I'll go pace around like you could if you just like I don't know what my neighbors think of me because like I might be like making a circle in the backyard or making a circle in the front. They're probably like, what is wrong with this guy? In fact, one time when, when I was still at uh, Common Desk, this co-working space that I used to work at, uh, a friend of mine came to visit me and they were like, um, he was like, I'm here to see Jordan Sutton. She was like, oh, he's the guy who paces in circles a lot. And he was like, that's the one. <laughs> and, um, and so anyway, as I was thinking about this, like God granting desires because we're poor in spirit. I walked, I was like, I walked outside and I was like, I'm just going to start praying through desires that are in my heart with God. And the Lord, I heard the Lord say that question, what does what he want? And the first thing that came to my mind was, I want a, I want a deeper, more full connection with my son. And I, I've shared this before, I have a good relationship with Judah, but it's easier for me to be a girl dad than, than somehow having a son draws out all of my weaknesses. And, and um, I apologize to Judah when that happens. And um, I'm, not, I, I'm not intimating any kind of abuse or anything like that. I just get, <laughs> sorry, give the wrong idea here. I just like, as a dad, my frustration comes out easier with my son. And so I just, I walked outside and I'm sometimes just like down on myself and, I, and I'm like, God, like, I don't know how to like, I don't know how to fix this problem in me. I was like, I just want to have just this the better connection. And I'm, as, I, as I say that, I'm walking down the street and we have bikers and runners in East Dallas. And side note on bikers, like if you, if cyclists, thank you, not bikers, Cyclists, forgive me if you're a cyclist, but there's like, you know, like there's rules of like the road where like, you know, you're supposed to not, you know, like, like you know, people who are walking when there's a crosswalk and it's ready to go, like they, they, cars yield to them. And then at times pedestrians yield to cars, but it just feels like bikers assume that everyone yields to them at all times. And so I just like when bikers around, I'm like, I don't know what they're going to do. They're just, you know. 
They're going to do something illegal and be mad at me that they did it. And so anyway, we have bikers and runners, and I hear something behind me, and I hear these, these footsteps, and like the footsteps are running really fast. I'm like, oh, crap, what's going on? And, and I just prayed this prayer, and I turn around, and I left the house, and everybody was asleep, and I turn around, and my son is standing right behind me. Just after I'd finished saying, God, help me to have a better connection. My son is standing behind me, who had gotten out of bed, saw me walk out the door, and said, I want to go on a walk with you. When we recognize our poverty of spirit, and we put our desires to God, He will meet us. Being poor in spirit is the key to seeing the truth of who He is. It's the key to being brought near. But it's also the key to Him granting the desires of our heart. And with that in mind, I want us to come to the table and grab the elements and come back to our seats. This morning, whenever I was, when my son started running up behind me, and I grabbed his hand and we started going a walk, I realized that it wasn't me being the expression of God to him, it was God being his expression to, through him to me. And I think if we're willing to open our eyes around us, and to receive from every moment, even the humbling moments, we will encounter His kingdom all the time. We will be those perpetually receiving and giving and living in the greatness of His love. And so when we take, when we receive of the elements as we were in prayer this morning, we were in pre-service prayer, I was thinking about how God is so gracious to meet every person precisely where they are at. Precisely where they're at. Just like a dumb dad. It's okay, I can call myself that. And... Um, the, the thing that opens, that connects us to the generosity is to be that person who's poor in spirit. And so I, I want us to, to close our eyes for a, a moment. And I want us to reflect upon how he's wanting to come and meet us. When you receive this table, you're receiving a table that He has prepared for all mankind, 
but that he has prepared specifically for you. Just as he called a blind man out of a crowd, he'll call you out of a room. Let's just wait in quiet for a moment. I pray you would make us poor in spirit again. I pray we would not be those who graduate. God, but that you would make us childlike. I pray that you would make us beginners again. I pray that you would make us those ready to receive at every place the spontaneous, beautiful, unpredictable gifts that you give us just like a son's footsteps running up behind us. And so this morning, we receive this in gratitude. You can lift the bread and the juice. We thank you, God. We bless this. We pray um, that we would, we would see uh, your words, your body as life. We would see your blood as life. And that it would nourish us, Lord. And that in that, God, we would find your life in every part of life. In Jesus' name, we receive in gratitude. Amen. You may receive. How many of you are thankful God meets us where we're at? How many of you have had some story like that? You pray a prayer and instantly God is doing something. Um, I just want to tell, I want to tell you guys, I'm so grateful for the work that you do and for, for you serving families that need to be served and loved. And um, we're just, we're blessed that you're here with us this morning and um, just, just grateful. And, I would encourage every person, just since they're here this morning, we, we will probably over the next couple months talk about how ClearPath will be hosting uh, Safe Families as an entity. Like, we, you know, we wanted them to come and share, but at, as at the beginning of 2022, there will be more structure and strategy around how we are, as a, as a church, going to be doing that. Obviously, some of that is affected by the fact that Andrew and I will be volunteering to help. Um, but I would encourage you to stop by their uh, stop by their booth and and to talk with them and to hear what they're doing. I'm like, there's not many things like one of the things that I uh, 
been privy to is I've been able to hear a lot of different pitches of nonprofits and different things. And there's not many things that I could put my heart more into than, than the prevention of kids entering in the system and the preservation of families. And so it's, it's critical to understand that they're not just like providing a home for the kids. They're also providing the coaching and resourcing around the parents to be able to bring them into a space of, of long-term sustainability as a parent. And so it's very holistic and very like encompassing. And so I would encourage you to come in and talk to them and to be thoughtful. You, you, this is the kind of thing we wanted to have share this morning because we don't want to like hit you with it in January. We're like, all right, sign up today. We, we want to be able to be thoughtful about how we engage. And so we're, we're, we'll bring this back up as a community. And so you guys know we'll be bringing it back up and talking about it. And um, we also, uh, we don't take an offering. Um, that's not something we do. But when people are here, we, we uh, encourage people, like, if somebody is in my home, like, they're going to get blessed in some way. Because that's the way it is. And I just feel like because they've come to our house, to our home, um, I would invite you to consider um, if there's, if there's you know, something financially that you would like to give to be a blessing to their organization. That they have incredible um, support and behind them. And we don't give out of need. We give because God compels us to give. And so um, I would just encourage you to be thoughtful about giving this morning financially and also coming to see them and, um, and then over the next couple months, we will talk to you about how we will engage them into the life of our church. Um, everybody good with that? Um, last thing is Church on the Lawn is next week. Um, I love Church on the Lawn. That will be at our front yard. And we're, we did it, you know, all last fall during COVID. Um, and, uh, you know, not that COVID's completely over. I'm not saying that, but we, but we did it during that time <laughs> that, um, you know, just to be safer. And, uh, but we just found that we really actually liked it a lot. <laughs> and so we are going to be hosting, um, you know, and for those of you on Zoom that, that don't participate, if, you know, because you don't want to be in, indoors, we'd love to invite you to be there as well. Um, that is going to be happening next week. And I think we will have breakfast tacos there as well. And so please come to Church on the Lawn next week. Don't come here or you're going to be by yourself. And um, we love you. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you just designate generosity or, what, or benevolence. We will, we will locate all of that this morning and this week to save families. And so... Um, Listen, we, we love you guys. We thank you for, for being here. Um, somebody is praying this prayer of St. Francis. We're going to close, and what a, what a better way to close with this morning. So we'll have you stand and pray this prayer together. All right. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. O Divine Master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. 
For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen. Y'all are dismissed.